Ian Sison joins us now, author of the book The Game That Never Happened, The Vanishing History of Soccer in Australia. Ian, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. And Ian, you are fresh from launching your book at the the MCG in the MCC library today. Yeah. Yeah, in the uh, in the in the theatre of dreams or whatever. They, no, that's that's Man United. Yeah, what do they call the MPG? The uh, the, the temple down the road. Yeah, it's it's an impressive place in, in any case, um, and it's got a, the, the most magnificent library there, the MCC Library, and uh, a couple of really good people running it. Um, David and Trevor, they um, they're uh, you know great librarians and really good support for historians. So anybody's researching. Um, in this area, make sure you visit the MCC library because their stocks are just awesome. There we go. That's a very good plug. Now, you yourself are a senior lecturer at College of Arts and Education at Victoria University, yep. a senior yep. lecturer in communication, but... You're... No, 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 no. I'm a senior Ooh. lecturer in literary studies. Oh, literary studies. The website has lied to me. Yeah, well, it would, it would. <laughs> <laughs> but you're you're looking at your your research area, the the main area of research is in the football codes, and that's where yep. obviously the the idea for the game that never happened came yeah. from. Do you, yep. do you want to give us a, a bit of a, a pricey of of what the book's about and, and how you came to tell the story? You know, my my interest because of my you know, cultural studies and literary studies background. My interest is always in culture and, and, and interest in the representation of, of things. So I, um, I came to Melbourne in my, uh, well, about 20, 25 years ago from Brisbane. And I, I was, I was always a soccer fan. I was a rugby league fan as well. And I saw the opportunity to come to Melbourne as being a, an opportunity to get interested in Australian rules. And I did to some extent, but, what I noticed very, very soon getting interested in Australian rules was this sort of antipathy with which people in Melbourne seemed to treat um, all the other football codes. And it was kind of, it was kind of strange. Uh, I, I got married and had children and, and the kids, um, you know, perhaps influenced by myself but also their mother, um, started to play soccer and there was this curious sort of response to this amongst people, um, you know, I, I mixed with, you know, why are you letting your kids play soccer? You know, you know you're know, you a nice middle-class white person. What on earth are you doing? <laughs> and and, the, the, and it was, the Johnny Warren uh, categorization yeah, of the yeah, sport, it, yeah. It, it, was, it, was, it was that. And I, and I, I saw this, this dislike, this distrust, this hatred of soccer and also the, the you know, the, the sort of ethnic um, bias as well that was involved. Mm-hmm. And I got more and more annoyed um, by things, and, and I, you know, I read Johnny Warren and 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 so forth, and that confirmed it. And I just reached a point where I thought, I'm sick of this, and I've got to actually start writing about it and start investigating it. And 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 so what I did was I, I basically uncovered so much information about about soccer's existence. In, in Australia, all around Australia, that it just astounded me. And, and you know, one of the great sort of epithets thrown at soccer is that you're a foreign game. You don't belong here. Mm-hmm. You don't have any grounding here. There's no history. And what I've found is the entire opposite of that story. There's a, there's a massive history of the game. And, but it's a history that gets forgotten. 
and not just by society as a whole, it gets forgotten by soccer itself as well. So that's one of my, you know, really important themes in the book. Yeah, and I mean, you talk about when you come to came to Melbourne, and it was it was Aussie rules, Aussie rules, Aussie rules, and to, yeah. to a point, even though the the A League has been so successful, the the Melbourne Storm are down here, the Melbourne Rebels yeah. as well, yeah. it still has a, a huge amount of of Melbourneians just going, no, no, no. Like Aussie yeah. rules is the football when yeah. a lot of other sports have been around, in, particularly in Australia for. A, a long, long time. Hell, even yeah. the um, uh, even the ice hockey has been around for over a yeah. hundred years. Yeah. Base, so, baseball yeah. in Australia outdates out outdates Australian rules football, or, or in the organised form anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there, there is obviously a, a a little bit of the the code wars that yeah. triggered you to uh, to yeah, write I, this I, book. Yeah, and that's a very sort of trendy word, isn't it? Triggered. Yep, sorry. <laughs> no, no, but yeah, triggered. I mean, I, the, the number the number of times I, I, uh, I, I, you know, I was down. My, my son played Oz Kick, um, did Oz Kick, and he he quite enjoyed it. And went and we went week after week. And I was just saying to one of the dads once, you know, you know, I'm trying to get him to go down and play soccer, and they say, "Why would you want to do that?" <laughs> And um, and he's he's a very good cricketer, my my eldest son, and he he used to be, you know, he's a bit of a gun at the club, and so people would ask me, uh, you know, so who's he play footy for? And I said, oh, he doesn't, he he plays soccer. And they go, really? <laughs> but he but he's a but he's a good cricketer. <laughs> so yeah, therefore, why isn't yeah. he playing Aussie yeah. rules? Okay. Yeah, there. yeah, and, <laughs> Which... and so there's this kind of assumption of, of circularity of. Of you know transitioning from one to the other and you know backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, and I you know the, I'm, I'm going back a bit to to what we were talking about before, but this 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 assumption of cultural centrality mm. that footy has it, it is culturally important in Melbourne, and you'd be foolish to say it isn't, but as terms of, in terms of being necessary and central, well that's not quite the case. Well, that's right, and you. It mentioned in the uh, spruiking for your book that um, soccer, well, and we've been talking about it, soccer's been around in Australia for, you know, 150, 180 years, even longer. Um, yeah. And then there was a massive and perhaps crippling collapse we're seeing here. So what, yeah, yeah. what, what was the precipice of that? Well, it's, I mean, the, the, the potted history that I tell basically is that there are these pre-formative games that are played. There's a lot of kicking balls along the ground, round balls rolling along the ground, kicking them along the ground, people running into each other, trying to kick the ball one way, another people trying to kick the ball the other way. This is early football in Australia, and it's it's whether it's up north or whether it's it's down here in Melbourne or, or, or out west. This is the way it was played. It was very rough. It was very, as I said, pre-formative. And gradually, codification occurs. Gradually, people start to play. Well, you know, we've got to organise games, and people brought their, their their public school systems from from Britain. They uh, they brought their their local games from their communities in various places, and 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 games formed. And in in Melbourne, a game formed. Uh, you know, a mishmash of of these rules and. Um, up north, rugby became dominant, and then 
a little later, soccer was imported from uh, from England in the 1880s or a bit earlier, but it, it layered on top of, of previous games that were played in that unstructured way. So there was there was a desire for soccer, but the, the, it was never actually realised as soccer until the 1880s. And and at that time in the 1880s, what was I guess the the cultural mix or the ethnic mix of Australians or people in Australia who were playing the game at that time? Playing uh, playing soccer. Playing soccer when it yeah. Well, see. Kind of- that they they the people who who basically started the game they were the were your public school types mm-hmm. and and this 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 is in part this is what causes the prejudice against the game they're, they're sort of highfalutin poms you know whereas down here in Melbourne the people playing footy or, or Victorian rules were the people of Melbourne and so you had these people playing soccer in Melbourne who were kind of slightly middle class but even upper class. Um, you know, toffs almost. Yeah. In in ten years, that changes. And, and, and around Australia in the eighteen nineties, you have these working class miners coming from Scotland and the northeast of England, and everywhere they go, they set up soccer clubs. And so you've got all, every coal mine in Australia, every coal mining town in Australia has a soccer club. In the in the in the uh, in the eighteen nineties, in the nineteen hundreds. And so the class composition of the of the game changes very quickly in Australia. It becomes a working class game um, after being a sort of elite game earlier on. And then, obviously, the, the more migration happens, and there's probably more and more uh, non. Oh, I mean, I don't even know how quite to say like non uh, down to earth Aussie Aussie blokes and sheilers who are playing the game, and that then yeah. would probably widen the gap between yeah, the I, those who like the game and, yeah, and those who yeah. see it as this foreign thing. Yeah, and sometimes the people who played the game, as I say in the book, the people who played the game saw the game as a way to remain close to home. Mm-hmm. Not as a way to set up, you know, something that they were doing in Australia, close to home, meaning close to England. Yep. Uh, and so, yes, a prejudice begins down here, at least, um, where, where soccer is seen to be this, this, you know, elitist, not really Australian game. That changes. That changes in the in the nineteen early nineteen hundreds, where all around Australia you've got this blossoming soccer movement and, and just before the First World War it's taking off like wildfire. Every little town in Australia has a has has it seems to be developing a soccer team and you've got you know you've got a coverage around soccer has coverage around Australia that no other code has. And and I think it's still the the, the case today. Mm-hmm. However, um um the war comes along because of the loyalist nature of a lot of the players they almost holus bolus enlist. Eighty percent of soccer players, you know, in most parts of Australia enlisted. Wow. In the in the in the war and, you know, probably ten, fifteen percent of them were killed. Mm. And soccer lost a lot. You know, a lot of the people were injured. You come back from the war injured, you're not really much use anymore as a as a player. So soccer lost its impetus and it lost a lot of its um it lost a lot of its personnel to the war. Uh, after the war, 
there's this another massive influx of migrants. Soccer seems to be taking off again, but it's lost something. And then in 1927, there's a massive collapse where the game has this ridiculous infighting that it has periodically. Hmm. But what, what happens alongside that is that the VFL becomes fully conscious of the threat and starts to become active uh, and starts to organise to shove soccer off grounds. And so, for example, the uh, Brunswick Street Oval or the Fitzroy Cricket Ground, mm-hmm. uh, it's called Brunswick Street Oval today, was the host of soccer for something like 16 years, soccer matches. And international games were played, important club matches like Doherty Cup matches and the, the, the occasional international that was played, the AFL or the VFL at the time made sure soccer was gone from that. It's much more important that Fitzroy seconds play than Australia plays against the Chinese team, for example. We're hearing an echo in here, Ian. This is all, this is all awfully familiar stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so at this point, it's almost like the, 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 the soccer phobia comes fully fledged once Victoria gets in line. And it's um, and, and so soccer is now working against a force, and it has ever since. Um, and, and it's also it, it's occasional, periodic, stupid incompetences that it demonstrates, and I think it's going through a stage of demonstrating one at the moment. Yep. Uh, you know, d- did not help. But I, but my my thesis or my argument is that. Soccer's first death, I'm using Joe Gorman's notion of the death and life of Australian soccer. Mm. Soccer's first death occurs at this point and it really didn't recover. And I don't think it has recovered in, in a weird sort of way. I mean, I'd have to make a long, complicated argument, but my book basically stops there. Yeah. yeah. Um, when it comes to war, generally the, the nation's psyche hardens around their uh, the desired stereotype of who they want to be, I guess. And um, yeah. I guess around around the First and Second World Wars, it was around, you know, your Aussie, Aussie sticking by his mate and all of that yeah. sort of thing and doing the hard yeah. yards over there in the war or back here um, if they weren't over there. Do you think, yeah. um, obviously, the VFL was able to capitalise on that kind of thing, but do you think that kind of latent... I guess I'll just say stereotype. Do you think that played a big role in, uh, I guess, how soccer was received um, as kind of the migrants' game? Well, I mean, it's. The, I mean, that, that's probably the strength of, of my book, um, the chapter on war. Um, and I mean, I I, I watch with, with, with amazement every Anzac Day as as rugby league and AFL. Celebrate the horror of war. I don't say commemorate. They celebrate. They um, they take they take the Anzac Day thing, and they insinuate the idea that their sold their players. I mean, I only did it myself. Their players and the Aussie soldier are more or less one of the same. Mm. The, the rhetoric of war, the rhetoric of battle and struggle, come become very important. That, that's something now, that we've spoken about uh, yeah, a number of times. Most against uh, now, the, that's terrible. The deep irony of all this is that these two were the games that didn't sacrifice as much as the others. These two are the games that kept their infrastructure in place and they kept going during the war. Uh, yes, some of the Melbourne clubs gave up for a couple of seasons, 
but they all came back mm. and, and some of the clubs stayed, you know, stayed playing all the way through. And the rugby league in Sydney, they just kept playing. And that was a, a vitally important thing um, in the histories of, 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 of in the developments of, of their codes. Rugby union and soccer just said, that's it, you know, we're stopping for the war. And rugby union was smashed. Um, rugby union didn't restart in Brisbane, for example, until 1929 because it just had no players. They'd all gone away. They'd all gone away and died because it's, it's so happened that all the rugby union players thought they should be officers, and so they became officers, and they were they were you know not very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they were, yeah, um, yeah, and so um, when it comes to you know. Enlistments, as I, I might have said before, I don't know if I did, I might have said this earlier, 80% yep. of soccer players enlisted in the war. And so, and, and you know, to think about over, over in, in, in Perth, um, you've, um, you've got amazing stories. Geraldton, for example, you've got 120 soccer players in, in Geraldton, almost 100 of them enlist, head over. Wow. You've got, You've got clubs in Perth, and it's in my book. I take figures from early in the war, where you've just got a list of clubs. Um, how many have gone? How many have died? And it's just, it's it's a horrible statistical kind of uh, pornography, almost seeing that the deaths in the paper. And there's one club, um, you might, uh, Bassendine Caledonians. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost eight of their six of their first team and eight players from their club. And there's a, there's a book by John Williamson called Soccer Anzac, which I'd urge everybody to try and find. And, it, and, he, and he, he bemoans the fact that Cal, the Caledonians gave so much of its club to the cause of forcing, forging the sort of Anzac identity. And, uh, yet they, they were, they were, they passed from pillar to post. They were trying to find a ground and they kept being moved and moved. You may know that history better than I do. Well, um, I, I was going to say, like, so we, we we talk about the the wars and the the impact of that. The the soccer federation um, or a governing body was in 1911 was when that formed to to oversee soccer activities across Australia. I think it was the yeah. Commonwealth Football Association. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. that was before the the First World War, and then. Yeah. After that, the Australian Soccer Association formed yeah. in 1921. So yep. how big was the, the role of the formation of the, the formal governing body in trying to galvanise the, the sport as more of a sport for everyone? Did it, did it yeah, try well, to do that? Well, the CFA, you know, had big plans, but, it, you know, it, 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 you know they, they fell in a heap very quickly because the, the war happened so after... <laughs> so soon after, but I tend to think that the um, that we need to understand soccer and its development in Australia as a very much a state or even a regional thing, mm-hmm. and it, and and you know there's the the, the 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 attempt to create a national game um, was a long way off, and I mean I, I think maybe we still haven't got there. I mean the Australian team was formed, you know, and was picked and, you know, tended to be mainly made up of New South Wales players and, and the odd Queenslander for a while. Um, and I'm not sure that the ASA had 
had, <coughs> had a strong influence um, in those in those in, in those times. No, and then the so it was 1922 when the first national representative soccer team yeah, were yeah. played against New Zealand, and obviously having a, a national team, you'd think then that that would again galvanise a lot of support behind the the code. But yeah. was, again, was that the case? Was the the forming of the well, the national team used to, important? There used to be there used to be terrific crowds and there was terrific interest as well. And the Kiwis used to play in black too, which was um okay. I was thinking I was thinking about that. They call themselves the all blacks from time to time. And oh. um so there was actually some heat in those in those contests. There was some there's a great tradition and that gets lost later on. Um, there's a great sense of the games between Australia and New Zealand being formed forward on an Anzac basis. And in fact, there was a, a trophy between Australia and New Zealand called the Soccer Ashes, which, you know, you think, oh, geez, they're just copying the ashes of the, um, you know, the cricket ashes. But yeah. it was, it was actually a, a group of, I think, officers got together. You know, they used to have smoke nights yeah, <laughs> back right. in those days, sporting clubs. They got together at a smoke night and they and they put together the, the, the ashes of the cigars they smoked and they put them in a in a very ornate um, box that had actually been at Gallipoli. Um, and they said, well, this is going to be our trophy. Wow. And this is going to be our trophy, the, the, the symbol of soccer supremacy between Australia and New Zealand. And that that that's the soccer ashes lasted until the fifties as a, as a thing, and it got lost. It got lost, and like all so many things in in Australian soccer history, so many artifacts, it just you know disappeared from sight. And uh, you know that's that that's an amazing story. So it was a, a thing, and you know you used to get crowds, you used to get big crowds at the games, and. Um, now, soccer in the in the nineteen twenties had a had a people's game vibe uh, in in some parts of Australia, and it's uh, and that's something that you know I try to resuscitate in my book. Try to remind people um, that uh, that was the case, and you know it, it collapses in twenty seven, as I say, and there's a massive gap between the end of the twenties and the fifties. When the game revives under the influence of the, the the European migrants, there's a gap there where a whole set of discontinuities um, set in, and so there's a disconnection between the present and the past in Australian soccer. Most people in Australian soccer today, John Didalusa, who is was, the PFA president, um, helped to launch the book today, and he said, you know, he he held, held his hand up. He said. I have always thought that, you know, soccer was this migrant game. We set it up, you know, it's Croatians and Italians and Greeks and so on. And he said, you know, I, I've read this book and I, it made me realise that, you know, this game goes so far back. Um, the current governing body, Football Federation of Australia, when they came in and launched the A-League, um, were very, very keen to separate themselves from yeah. the National Soccer League of the past and all the supposed yeah. bad, bad history there. Um, yeah. We're not going to talk about – we won't ask you about what you think of that decision. But 
that kind of symbolic break from the past, um, it seems to have included events like uh, the 1920s and the yeah, football yeah. ashes and all of that. You know, and, and the amazing story of, of, of soccer spreading just before the war, and it's like this game that just swamping Australia almost. It's, it, was, it was amazing, the, the growth of the game, and that's just forgotten, and the, and the participation in the war is forgotten. Yeah, that's right, but they're not the only ones who forgot the past. I think, you know, and I'm a very strong supporter of all the ethnic clubs. I think um, what's happened to the ethnic clubs is, is a disgrace, but they too are guilty of forgetting. They're guilt, they're, they too are guilty of not remembering the foundations on which they built their clubs. South Melbourne Hellas, which is my club, for example, is a result of an amalgamation between an Anglo club, a Jewish club, and a Greek club. And the, the present memory of it is basically just sort of Greek-Australian. Yet, you know, by denying that history... They, they, they deny themselves the opportunity to trace their history all the way back to the second game of soccer ever played in Melbourne, which was at South Melbourne Oval in 1883. Um, you know, there's the opportunity to do that, but they, 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 they don't take it because they don't tell a proper history of, 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 of their own um, genesis, if you like. And, and that's where books like yours, the, the Game That Never Happened, are so important. Like the All of the states of Australia by 1902 had their own federation. It was South Australia yeah, was the, yeah. the last one to have. And recognising that history is so important in basically normalising the sport in, in, yeah. in Australia, as I said, from 1927 to the booming migration of the 50s and, and 60s. There was that period where it dropped off the radar and it's still having the, that impact today, but there really does need to be the the existing clubs, but also the national uh, team really does need to look back at the history and yeah. say, this is where we came from. And yeah. because then so many more people will be able to relate to a different part of the history of football in Australia. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can, we can talk about the first time the Chinese, that Chinese team came out and when there were 40,000 people at the SCG watching it, you know, watching Australia play this Chinese team. You know, it's incredible. That's that that that's the history that is so easy to to incorporate into into our history. You know, Andrew's book, Andrew Howe's book. You know, phenomenal piece of work. You know, he's got no problem with there being a continuity. You know, why why does why does the FFA have have that problem? Mm. It's, it's it's incredibly frustrating. And, you know, I mean, and, and on a personal level, it's so frustrating that we haven't, as a game, got the, got the avenues of funding available for research like mine. So I've, I've had to, I've had to sort of do bits and pieces here and there because, you know, it gets in the way of my, my day job. Your so, job. <laughs> yeah, it's taken me such a long time to do this. But, you know, if they could come up with some funding money, I could have, I could have got this done, you know, very, quite quickly and we could help other people do their own research work as well so it's very frustrating there's absolutely no concern with history and you know history is just you know something to be you know something for the past when in fact the other codes even though their history is quite bad 
they still pay attention to it. And they, you know, they, they, they mythologize themselves. They mythologize themselves and that gives their codes a sense of belonging and a sense of legitimacy that soccer just doesn't have. Um, that's a good point there, the sense of legitimacy. Um, do you think, Ian, that soccer will ever get back to, I guess, the, the, nation, the nation's embrace? I mean, we see it every four years or so with yep. the World Cup. Um, but can we, can we hope for something like that again, or do you think things are about as good as they're going to get for a soccer in Australia? I, I, think, I think, I mean, I've got a very devolution kind of um, mentality, and I, please don't, you know, Please don't hold you know hold me as an example of anything, but I I think that we need to get back to the grassroots. Something you know, something chronic because it's the game's awesomely strong at the grassroots. It's so strong at the junior level, and if if we could only you know create you know a fuss about the grassroots game. Rather than just have it ignored, you know, in Victoria we can't even get results of the state league in the paper. Yeah, you know, it's it's, yeah, and it's like there's the you know what soccer you might say, you know, mm. yeah, you know, there's no soccer until summer. Yeah, well, especially, especially with you look at the participation rates, the participation rates yeah. of the game at junior levels and then all the way through are absolutely massive. Yeah, yeah, and you know. And you expect drop off. Of course, you expect drop off. Soccer is used as a as a, as a tool for parents, as a babysitter, as um, a way to get their kids fit without getting them, you know, in, in, into an, a, an overly dangerous sport. Um, at least that's the impression that a lot of people have. It's a good, healthy thing for their kids to do. So I think it's going to be drop off, but there's too much drop off. Um, there's too much drop off in terms of kids going through to play at a senior level. There's too much drop off of kids not paying attention to the senior level as supporters. Um, you know, whether that be the A League or whether that be MPL. Yeah, and, and and I think that the one thing that really makes someone want to play a game or want to watch a game and support it is the history that comes with that. The you got something that you can track back and say, this is where this sport came from. This is where this team has come from. This is my team that I I identify with them for for whatever reason. And in uh, in 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 your book, the game that never happened, it's a, a really important almost um, cultural artefact to, to say there was this game before yeah, yeah. The, the, the 50s and 60s and yeah. it's really important that, that Australians recognise that as part of their own cultural history. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that it's a, a brilliant uh, concept for, for a book, very, well done for, for telling the story and uh, yeah. also thank you very much for joining us here on A Sporting Discussion. Not a problem, not a problem at all. Yeah, we really appreciate your time, man. Thanks very much. Thank you. AJ, that was a fascinating discussion with Ian Sison there. 
author of the game that never happened. It's it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, the stuff the stuff we don't know, and and until Ian would, was going to write this book, no one was going to know about it. No, exactly. You, you talk about the game, and everyone would have said, "Oh, yeah." The 50s and 60s, the the, the migration to Australia. Yeah, gold rush for all of that. European, yeah. <laughs> and, but no, 1800s. Yeah. And Tasmania, they had their soccer association in 1900, South Australia in 1902. It's a, a pretty cool story. And we, we had a, a brief chat to Ian after our interview and... This might not be the end of his story. Yeah, he said, he said he's going to look at writing the next book in the cycle, which looks at the disconnect uh, years, I guess, so to speak. Yeah, so from 1927, which is where his book ends, to probably the 1950s, where yeah. the... Uh, when Australia's just starting to shake off World War Two. Yeah, and the, yeah. The, the, the European migration really kicks off soccer again. Mm. It'd be really, really interesting. I can't. I haven't read the book. I can't wait to get my hands on a copy. I think it's going to be really good. Absolutely, I completely agree. I'm looking forward to, to having a read. As we as we said, to know the history of a sport is yeah. is so important. It's so eye opening for a lot of people when there's such vitriolic code wars going on in oh, Australian sport. I think a lot wars. of people would uh, would be keeping their mouth shut if they knew a lot of the stuff that Ian's unearthing here. Damn right. Now, AJ, if someone wants to get in contact with us after having a listen to our conversation with Ian, how could they do that? If you're on the Twitter, go to at ASD underscore radio. If you're on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash a sporting discussion. Uh, or you can go to a sporting discussion.com.au, our wonderful website and you can leave us an audio clip, a voice bite. Uh, by we on those social media channels, we'll put out a record button. Uh, just press that record button, sign in on Twitter or Facebook, and uh, leave us a fifteen twenty second grab audio grab question comment. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tell tell us what your thought of the history of soccer in Australia was, mm. because. I tell you, mine mine would not have gone back as far as as what well, Ian's book we, does. We've got a lot of reading and a lot of learning to do. So when we put the record button out, do that, or download the Voice Byte app. Uh, it's a it's a really good way for us to get some good feedback from you guys out there. All right, I think that will do us. So many many thanks to Ian Sice and everybody. Go to your favourite bookstore and buy yourself the game that never happened. <laughs> <laughs>